I will be reading from John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. Now I'll be reading from the New, uh, the New King James Version. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I have been asked uh, to say thank you from uh, George Junior High. Uh, we had this last week, if you remember, uh, six uh, staff from there who were here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and uh, they were blown away by the hospitality, uh, the food. There was a ton of food that was brought. Um, I think there might even still be a decent amount left. And there was uh, just a, a huge blessing from so many people uh, that they, they saw how many of you were just willing to help out. Thank you so much. And uh, we are excited for the opportunity to continue uh, shining Christ's light. I remember as a little kid, I never really had a nightlight in my room, and uh, sometimes it would get really, really, really dark. I remember that there would be times when uh, the, um, uh, uh, well, I'll put it this way, I lived on a farm, there wasn't a light for miles, and when the power went out, it was even darker. And one of my favorite things as a kid was our kerosene lantern that we would light up when there was a power outage. Uh, just because it was a beautiful thing, it smelled horrible. But it was such a neat experience to be able to see and have just a little bit of light light up a whole room compared to what it was before. I think just about every guy in here, every kid in here I know, enjoys a good flashlight. Guys, doesn't a good flashlight a premium thing in your toolbox? If not, it really should be. And the danger that you have is, is that you won't have batteries or it'll be wasted for so long that by the time you turn it on, all the batteries are out and they're not working. Light is such a blessing. We have had just this previous week an ebb and flow of cold, rainy weather and then just either a few hours or the next day, hot, humid sunshine. And I know I've heard several say they really appreciate that sunshine after that cold, rainy weather. It uh, doesn't sound like uh, we are quite out of the winter weather quite yet. I'm still learning how all of that works here. But uh, from what it sounds like, we're just in fool's spring so wait just a little bit. There's going to be a little bit more cold before some warm sunshine is here to stay. When we look at the Gospel of John, we see various pictures of Jesus and we see various um, uh, descriptions that Jesus himself gives concerning who he is. A couple of weeks ago, in fact, we looked at one of those where he says, I am the bread. 
And there are seven pictures that Jesus gives where he says, I am. And this morning, what we are looking at, obviously, is I am the light of the world. John 8 and verse 12. Again, we understand the purpose of John. In John 20, 30, and 31, many other signs Jesus did in the presence of his disciples But these are written, John would say, so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ and believing you would have life in his name. 24 times in the Gospel of John, light is mentioned. I didn't realize that before starting to study for this lesson. 24 times in the Gospel of John. And if you had the time to go through and look at each occurrence of light, you'll see that the, every single time it points to Jesus. Every time the word light occurs, it, it points to Jesus. And what I want you to do, and for the next few moments, what we will do is look at John chapter 8, verses 12, and we're going to read the passage And then we're going to start asking some questions about the passage for explanation. Because John chapter 8, verses 12 and following are a lot different than what we're used to. John 8 and verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself, so your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from or where I am going. I want you to think about this for just a moment, this, this thing that, that, that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And yet, you have this response from the Pharisees that just kind of seems out of left field. And even Jesus' statement, I am the light of the world, almost seems like it's out of left field. Because right before you have this section about the woman caught in adultery, and right before that you have people that are seeking to arrest Jesus. He talks about giving them uh, uh, living water. And right before that in chapter 7 and about verse 22, messages gave, uh, um, sorry, Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I have made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with righteous judgment. Jesus had made a man well. He had made a whole man well. I see the slides up. That's fantastic. These guys are phenomenal at working through all sorts of hitches, the main of which is I don't give them my lesson until an hour before, during which time Windows has some weird update bug kind of thing. Um, I would argue that's all the time, but that's for another story. Thank you guys so much. I don't have a clicker, but I can say a couple of times, next slide. 
I have a lot of control right now. Next slide. The light of the world. Next slide. I want us to understand a few keys that will help us to understand this passage because it does seem like it comes out of left field. Notice, for example, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world, and they they say, you're just testifying of yourself. Why don't they ask him, what do you mean by that? I'll give you an argument, and I think it makes a lot of sense. They knew what he meant. Look at this. I don't get to control them anymore. I get to control the slides. Thank you guys so very much. As I've mentioned before, if you live by technology, you will die by technology. (laughs) What I want you to look at at with me first is just the Gospel of John as a whole. John is a little bit different. When you look at Matthew and the intricacies and the focus of Matthew and and how it tells the Jews, this is the king. Jesus is the king. In fact, when you look at Matthew, one of the key words, kingdom, and he lays out this argument showing that this is the promised king. When you look at Mark, you have this excited young man who is going to say, this is the servant. Not only is Jesus the king of kings, he is the servant of John, uh, uh, Mark chapter 10, about verse 9, how the Lord has not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And he gives these snapshots of Jesus' ministry when you get to the book of Luke and the wisdom and the power and the perfect man who Jesus is appealing to the Greek mind. A lot of folks will talk about that. But Luke is a very oriented Part one of a two-oriented story, if you haven't heard, if you're in the the, uh, auditorium class, uh, part two in Acts. But it's a very oriented and detailed focus on Jesus being the perfect man. And then you have John, written sometime later, it seems. and, And John, it's like he is standing on a mountain. And if you've ever been able to stand on a mountain, there's not... A whole lot here in Texas, definitely not around us, around here as I know. I've seen a lot of things, haven't seen a mountain. But if you stand up on a mountain on a clear day and you start seeing the valleys and the hills and all of the rolling uh, 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 hills that are, that are, that are there, the, the rivers, and everything, you can see so very far. You go to West Texas. You stand on a hill, there's no mountains out there, but you stand on a little hill and you can see for miles and miles and miles. And what John is, is he is standing on a mountain looking for miles and for miles and for miles. You see all of these beautiful, amazing pictures of Jesus and who he is and how he has come here to save and to deliver. But it's not so difficult that you can't understand it. So the first key to understand what's going on here is remember the mountain. Remember the whole of John. But beyond that, remember the whole story. The whole gospel story beginning all the way back in Genesis. You remember Genesis 1, 1 to 4, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, 
let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Genesis 1, 1 to 4. That's how it all begins. In the beginning, God. And the very first thing is, let there be light. The very first thing that's said. Guess what? John chapter 1, our book. In the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Think about this for just a moment. God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. Jesus is called the Word. God spoke. Jesus is the Word. All things were made through Him. But continue on in John chapter 1. Without him not anything was made that had been made, and him was life, and the life was the light of men. Think about that for just a moment. The life was the light of men. In fact, he says the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Understand the whole gospel story is in view when you get to the gospel of John. In the beginning, John chapter 1. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. There's a purpose for it. Light. Light. And the darkness could not overcome the light. Two more passages I want you to consider for just a moment as far as what's going on here. As I said, these, these Pharisees, these people who were against Jesus, they understood what Jesus was saying. It wasn't just say, hey, that came out of left field. What are you talking about? You're this light. They're simply saying, you bear witness about yourself. We'll talk about that in a moment. But what Jesus is referencing as he talks about light is something from Isaiah chapter 42 in Isaiah chapter 49, first Isaiah 42, 6 and 7, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who, are, who, those who sit in darkness. What does Jesus say? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. You're in a section in Isaiah that is very prophetic when it comes to the Messiah. This is recognized as a messianic prophecy. It's a big fancy term for this is prophesying about Jesus. And what is spoken in Isaiah is that there is going to be a person who is light for the nations. And in fact, he heals the blind. I wonder what Jesus was talking about when he said, I made a man whole on the Sabbath. How about Isaiah 49 and verse 6? And now the Lord says, who formed me uh, from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him so that Israel is gathered to him? For I shall see his glorious eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, notice this, it is, a, is it, or it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob 
and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Jesus says, I am this light. When we think about these keys to understand, understand we're looking at this mountain, this big picture of the book of John. We're looking at not just the book of John, but John is emphasizing what the whole uh, gospel story has in mind from Genesis all the way to Revelation. But also we need to remember Jewish law. Because when... When they accuse Jesus of simply saying, well, you're just bearing witness about yourself, what they're doing is they're going back to a place in Deuteronomy chapter 19, a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. That's an incredibly wise and beneficial thing for a court case. In fact, you can look at the Gospel of John as a court case where Jesus is being held up on trial. Is he the Son of God? But really what you do is you turn it all around because that's what the Gospel of John does. And it asks the question, how can you not believe that he isn't? How can you not believe that he is the Son of God? We'll see more about that in a moment. But Deuteronomy 19 is important to understand because what they would say is, is there have to be, and Deuteronomy 17.6, by the way, has a similar kind of idea, two or three witnesses must be used in order to establish a case. In fact, in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 6, when Jesus talks about dealing with problems between brethren, he says two or three witnesses. If you can't handle, if, if you cannot, between you and your brother, have this conversation, you bring two or three witnesses. If it doesn't work for that one, bring two or three witnesses. When Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1, talks about problems, he says that every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Two or three witnesses are necessary to establish a case, by the way. We have four gospel accounts, don't we? We don't have just two or three witnesses. We have four gospel accounts. Four witnesses testifying that Jesus is the Savior of the world. God gave us an extra in the Gospel of John. Four witnesses. Isn't it like God to go above and beyond? But you have to have at least two witnesses. And what the Pharisees are doing is saying, you don't have another witness. You're just bearing witness by yourself, and so your witness is false. And so what Jesus does is very simple. Notice in chapter 8 and verse 14, Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. Notice what he says, just because I say something by myself doesn't mean it's, it's false. He says, even if I say it, if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. 
You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. And your law is written on the testimony of two people, it is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. Then he said, they say to them, who is your father? And that would be an excellent study for another time, but I'll just give you the synopsis of, of what happens. They start to say, who's your father? Your father is just this, this, this carpenter, and uh, uh, it could even be that, that he has died by this time, uh, Joseph. But Jesus isn't talking about him. He's talking about the heavenly father. Again, it's very obvious. And they start arguing with him, saying, well, well you're, uh, that's not your father. You're an illegitimate child. They'll start accusing him. And what Jesus will say is, I know you are descendants of Abraham. But he says, you are of your father, the devil. As I mentioned before, keeping the whole story of Scripture in mind, what is that promise in Genesis 3? That a seed would come and the serpent's seed would bruise the heel of that seed. But the seed would crush the head of the serpent. Is another place Jesus would basically, well, he would simply say, you're a bunch of snakes, kids. Was he just saying that because they didn't like snakes either? It was saying from the very beginning there has been seed of Satan, seed of woman, all the way until now. He says, you accuse me of being legitimate, illegitimate. I know where I came from. But I want us to think about for a few moments the witnesses. Because they say that, that Jesus, he's just witnessing against himself or witnessing himself and so it can't be true. You have to have more. Jesus says, I, myself and the Father. But I want us to think through the Gospel of John and think about the witnesses that have come so far in the book. You have John the Baptist, John the Baptizer in John chapter 1. Notice uh, the first uh, few verses of John chapter 1. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gave, gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Notice the true light has come in the world. John the Baptist, he bears witness about the light. You have the disciples themselves who, notice uh, um, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen or beheld his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, the only begotten Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, verse 1, a ruler of the Jews. 
This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, we could very easily argue that here's Nicodemus. He is another witness. But I would argue that Nicodemus is pointing to some other witness. He says, we know that no one can do the signs that you're doing unless God is with him, God himself. In fact, if you jump over to John chapter 5, John chapter 5 and verse 35, he was a burning and shining lamp, speaking of John the baptizer, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one who, whom he has sent, God himself has borne witness, as Jesus has claimed in John chapter 8. You also have Jesus. Notice John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not obey is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You have John the baptizer bearing witness about the light. You have the disciples beholding the glory of the only begotten Son of God, bearing witness about the light. God himself is making sure these signs are being done through Jesus. And God himself shows that Jesus is the true light. John the baptizer did a number of wonderful things, but John himself says he's not worthy to even put the sandal on the Jesus foot or to untie it. And Jesus himself says that God has given his son, and there are some who reject him because they reject the light. They, re they love darkness. And John 5, again, verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think in them, you have eternal life. And that is, it is they that bear witness of me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Again, John 5 is all about light. It's all about life. When the Pharisees accuse Jesus, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In him was the light of life, John 1. People rejected the light because they loved darkness, John 3. 
John the baptizer's light was bright, but it, has, it cannot compare, it can't hold a candle, literally, to the light of Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And the Pharisees accuse Jesus of only having one witness. They are so mistaken, it's not even funny. Brethren, that's just through chapter 8. And I skipped a few just for sake of time. Jesus is the light. He's the light of the world. For just a couple of moments, I want us to think about this true light. You know, there are an awful lot of things that would claim to be the true light in our lives, aren't there? There are a whole lot of things that people want us to, and, and just think about what light does. Light can, can uh, obviously, it, it, it makes the path uh, pathway so we know where to go, whether you're driving on the road or trying to stumble through your house in the middle of the night to, to get a glass of water. Light helps to make sure you know where to go. Light also, in a lot of cases, will warm you up. I can tell you these lights will warm you up. Light warms. But obviously from that moral uh, uh, um, circumstance, from that, that, that pathway of life kind of idea that Jesus is talking about and him being life and light, we know the way to go. And there's a lot of things that compete for that. You could spend hours listing all of the different things in our lives that say, well, this is the way you should go. This is the way you should go. This is the way you should go. Go to a bookstore. Just go on to Amazon bookstore if you don't want to go into a physical bookstore and just look at all the self-help books that are supposed to tell you how to live your life. I think God's word still says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Really, it comes down to two different options. Shall we follow man-made lights or shall we follow God's light? Which light will truly guide our way? You know, everything starts to uh, begin to make sense uh, when Christ is our light. The madness of this world really comes into a clear focus. When we come out of the dark and we're living in that kingdom of light... And the more that we're in the light, the more we will become like the light and the more we will reflect the light. Is that not taught in Matthew chapter 5? Let your light so shine before men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But more than that, if you will, Turn to 1 John. John loves his, his themes. First John 1 and verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. That God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. 
If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, what did he just say? God is light. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's a continual cleansing. As we walk in the light, as we walk in him, he cleanses us from all sin. The question this morning is, are you walking in the light? It really is a beautiful reality. I said John loves his themes. He doesn't stop in 1 John, does he? Two passages and then the lesson is yours. Revelation 21 Revelation 21 and verse 22. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. And then the next chapter. In verse 5. And night will be no more. They will need no light of the lamp. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. Do you remember the promise in Isaiah? He'll be a light to the Gentiles, a light to the nations. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. He's the light of life. In him is life, and life is the light of men. He warms the soul. He brings peace in the dark world that we live in. And he shines brightly so that we may even know how to walk in life. brings a whole deeper meaning to footprints of Jesus who makes the pathway glow. I will follow the steps of Jesus wherever I go. Can we help you today? We want to show you how brightly Jesus can shine. We want to pray for you. We want to pray with you. But if Jesus is not that light in your life, he certainly can be. Through faith, repentance, and baptism, we respond to him and accept his invitation. And he will create us anew to walk in him forever. Let's stand and sing.